0: Great to have you back for Season 2, Episode 2 of the Should Have Backed It podcast. This week, we're looking back at the Lightning Stakes Day at Flemington and the Apollo Stakes at Randwick. I'm joined by Herald Sun Racing expert, Chris Venuccio. How have you been, mate?
1: Hello, Phil. I've been very good, but not as... Good as you. We um, had to cancel the podcast on Sunday because you had a big night on Saturday. had to recover the next day. (laughs) Just tell us why, Phil.
0: Why is that, mate? I don't don't know. You you explained to me why I had a big day.
1: (laughs) You know why. You had a a big (laughs) win on the punt, your horse getting up at Ballarat. Uh, yeah. well, you would have had a big night that night. You would have celebrated long and hard.
0: Well, I was a little bit further than, up the highway than Ballarat. I was up in Bendigo um, on the Saturday. Um, I can understand you were focused at Flemington. I always get,
1: them, <laughs> I always get those two wrong, dude. <laughs> two completely...
0: Different directions. Uh, Very much so, mate. But, yeah, it was fabulous uh, out there at Bendigo. Much better weather than in Melbourne as well. A beautiful sunny day up there, nice and warm. And, yep, um, one of of our offshores, Pearl, got the job done in race seven. So a very big day was had and a very enjoyable time, I must say.
1: And you got a good price. You would have gone out for a a big dinner, a good dinner
0: afterwards. Well, mate, we got $6.20, which... uh, Actually, it was a little bit less than we were hoping for. She started at $126 last time, so we thought uh, we might get a little bit more than 6 but you know what? A win's a win, isn't it? So, uh, yep, definitely enjoyed, enjoyed our night after that one, and uh, yeah, you know. But that's not what we're here to talk about, mate. We're here to talk about Flemington. We're here to talk about Brandwick on the weekend, and, and hear, hear from you, see how you went. How'd you go on the, on the day? I hear you backed three winners. That's pretty good. Oh, I mean, tipped three winners anyway. Yeah, it
1: was a pretty good day. Yeah, you know, few losers as well, but a good finish as well with uh, in Sydney with Vega Days in the last at Randwick, which we'll we'll touch on later. But if Flemington was pretty good considering the weather, yeah. the low crowd, which was a little disappointing, but maybe the weather had an impact. But you know, hopefully as the autumn builds up, we you know get some you know get some race fans attending.
0: Well, I, I can always know which horses you back and you've uh, had a good day with Big V because. When you send me through some notes, you usually put them up right up front and centre in your uh, notes and let's talk about these races because you just want to just glow in the glory of some of those victories. But we might start on a little bit of a different spiel as we always do with the should have backed it file. So uh, which horse really uh, didn't you get on this week that you wish you had?
1: I'm going to go into the main race in Sydney, the Apollo Stakes, race 8, and I got turned off by the talk about Elise not being able to handle the wet track, and also the trainer, you know, tossing up whether he was going to scratch her or not, and then when you watch the race, if you had known that she was going to be very, um, uh, she's going to be settling behind the leader, you know, she's gone, drifted out to $3.60, and if you knew that she was going to be, you know, third on the fence, and the way she won, yeah, you know, I would have jumped on, I was nearly going to get on Dreamforce, but stayed out, but I think that was more to do with a lot of the negative, negative talk about how Alize was going to handle the wet track. But I think if you really dig deep into her, her record, her wet track form is not that bad.
0: It's not too bad. Who started favourite in the end in that her race?
1: Dreamforce was um, backed into $2.50 favourite. Yeah. And elise has gone out to three hundred and sixty. dollars I think that the reason for that is that talk about which horse was going to handle the wet track a lot better. And, um know, that's with
0: the way the market went. Yeah, was, I think that was a tough one for me. I, I, I would have had Elise's. A's. should have backed it if you hadn't uh, mentioned it just then. But really, there was a few options there. You had, um, obviously, Streamforce, but also you had Happy Clapper and very, very Elegant Flying Home as well behind them. So it's a pretty competitive field. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself missing that one, mate. Yeah, it was a, a good race and probably won a couple to follow there as well um, out of the race, as you'd expect from such a high-quality field. Yeah, I
1: think uh, Very Elegant look pretty good. She's normally not a first-up horse. Mm. And, um, no, she ran quite well, and, yeah, we'll
0: see where she goes. Yeah, well, my should have backed it was also at Randwick uh, on the weekend, and mainly at the price, flip would have been nice to get on. Um, I mean, that, again, was a very competitive race, and you had a very short price favourite in Libertini, which I know you were pretty keen on. At $11, I think there was a few people just uh, looking back up, having to take a second look at that, because... It's a pretty quality horse to having starting in eleven dollars in a in a race like that. So, one that was missed, but you know, I guess we can follow it follow it in on the next in next start.
1: Well, the expectation was that she would need the run; she'd flash home, and I think the blinkers caused a bit of discussion. But it was um I was surprised to see that she was ridden forward because she's usually ridden back and. You know, it was great to see that intent. I would have liked to have seen it at Caulfield in the spring when <laughs> I was on it, but not to be. But
0: but perhaps the blinkers played a factor there, yeah. just um, sharpened it up a bit yeah, and she, got she it handled, got it motoring along.
1: She handled the she handled the blinkers, but um, I still didn't expect to see her. You know, just off the leaders. You know, she looked really good, and I'm I'm pretty keen to um, be with her next start and take on Funstar in the Surround Stakes. So I think um, I've been a big fan of Flit just hopefully we can get a, a decent price because I really was, was keen on her for the 1,000 guineas, but obviously she was, you know, you know, rock bottom odds because she was, you know, the horse everyone was latching onto. But hopefully in this surround stakes, I'm I'm keen to take on the favourite.
0: Speaking of the favourite, uh, I know that you had Libertini as your should have sacked it. Will that be a horse you follow? What did you think of it, Tron?
1: Oh, very disappointing. I mean, I did get sucked into the hype, of Libertini because she had that really big win last spring. And I think that her campaign was a little bit messy, but then she regathered and ran pretty strongly in the Coolmore Stunt Classic behind Exceedance and Bivouac. And I thought $2.60 was a steal against this field because if you look at Kiyomichi, she couldn't get within eight lengths of her mm-hmm. in the spring. And here she's labouring from the 500 to the 400. I mean, she's, she finished side by side with Emeralds who was paying fifty one dollars. She struggled to get past Electric Girl, which was paying, which was sixty one dollars in the market. Yeah, you know, very poor. And unless they find something wrong with her, I couldn't jump on her again. Particularly if she takes on Flit and Liar next start.
0: Yeah, I think I think it started dollar eighty. So obviously yeah. the market was pretty keen, and that, that gave you value in other horses like Flit. But yeah, I, th- I did see the run. And I thought it was pretty disappointing never really threatened yeah yeah so um, I can see why you have that and you should have sacked it
1: yeah and Lyre was well backed in that race as well I just couldn't have Lyre because last you look into her spring prep it took her about two or three runs to, to get to her peak but it's just another reminder that spring form doesn't necessarily translate into autumn form because it, it looks like a fleet and Lyre have come back as you know really strong fillies and, you know, they're going to have an impact
0: disorder. doesn't mean that those other horses, though, can't come up, you know, further into their prep and, yeah. and do some damage, yeah. though. So I wouldn't be completely jumping off some of those. I'd want to have another look, I, I think, yeah. before I'm making any judgments My um, should have sacked it was at the same meeting as well um, in the last race, and it's a, definitely a favourite of ours, Real Amin Ruby, but I probably just went a run or two early, I think, by getting excited about it for this start. It um, probably needed the run, and I should have just had a look. So... Uh, yeah, a little bit disappointed that it didn't really do much yeah. either, to be honest. It settled last and didn't beat too many more home on the way back. So uh, I don't know what to make of the run other than just hoping it's its first up run and perhaps uh, we'll, we'll get a kick into gear in the next few starts.
1: Well, I'm, a, as you know, a big fan of Realmin in Ruby because she won well for us
0: yeah, on stage stage. She did save the uh, day.
1: But I couldn't have a first up wide barrier, 1,200 metres, top weight, and I'm glad you did bring bring up Real in Ruby because the stewards did give the jockey Tim Clark a bit of grilling for the ride which um, I was a little bit surprised by because they um, the stewards asked Tim Clark given the wide barrier why why she settled back and Tim Clark said the connections at the side would be best to settle the mare in a position worse than midfield and then the stewards have suggested that that he should have on Real in Ruby you know, kept pace with Noir in the in the race, and I just don't know why they needed to question the jockey. I mean, there's, I don't think there was anything wrong with the ride. Just circumstances, wide barrier. They went really fast, so you run the risk of being trapped three wide, and you want a fast a horse going fast to go faster. I just, just circumstances. Well,
0: I didn't actually realise the the ride was questioned, but I must say, just from uh, watching it, you know, obviously having an eye on it, having having backed it, I did think it was odd how it was written. That was my gut reaction at the time. And as soon as it went back and sat last, I basically thought I might as well walk over and throw my ticket in the bin because I don't think it really ever had a chance or was given a chance to win. So I'm actually not surprised the the stewards have had a question mark over that one. But
1: if you see how fast they went, I mean, they set a really fast tempo. And from the, the wide barrier, I mean, I kind of half expected her to settle back in the field. I mean if she if she went forward, she would have really busted would have busted the horse it might have had a, a detrimental impact for the rest of the campaign, so no issues but in saying that, I was a little bit disappointed by the way she finished off mm. and um I'd like to see her one more time before i I jump back on back on board
0: yeah, I'll be having another look i think uh, i i expect I didn't expect it necessarily to you know win first up, but I did expect it to run into a nice position, but it barely beat. Two or three home in the end. I can't remember exactly where it finished, but it was uh, nothing to get inspired by. But we'll keep an eye on in Ruby, as I said, it's a it's a popular horse in on the podcast, so um, we don't want to quite sack it yet. But it is my should have sacked it for the week. Uh, look, mate, uh, you know we had you know the two Group Twos up there in Sydney. We had the Group One Lightning in uh, in Flemington, but I think the race of the weekend, I think, and I don't think think you'll disagree with this, was the uh, CS Hayes with. Alligator Blood and Catalyst going uh, stroke for stroke down the Flemington Strait and in the in the wet and what a race!
1: Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, um, a fantastic race and I got it right on this occasion with Alligator Blood. But what surprised me was I thought Catalyst would settle you know further back. I mean that was the intention to. From the wide barrier, they'll give Alligator Blood a head start. But the horse jumped well. It was great to see James McDonald show some, show some intent on the horse. And that's what made it a really great contest. And uh, I think next time they meet, I think it'll be a different result. I'm keen to get on Catalyst in the in Australian Guineas.
0: And you know what? You know what excited me most about that race is that we discussed last week about match racing... And Saturday, one turns up. That was a genuine match race from the moment they got out of the barriers yeah. and settled until the, the finishing post. It was basically a match race. Yeah. None of the other horses had ran into the race yeah. at all. And it was, yeah, as I say, you know, yeah. a head bobber all the way down the straight, which, um, which was fantastic. Apparently, the jockeys did comment to each other, even in running, that they were participating in a match race. So that's, um, that's quite humorous yeah. as well.
1: And I thought that Alligator Blood was was gone at the 200. I just thought Catalyst would just just go past him, but he, he kept on fighting and um, just a great effort. And But I just wonder you know, how much hard racing Alligator Blood has had. I mean, he's been up for quite a while. He had the Queensland campaign. You know, can he get through another two 1,600-metre races that's going to be high-intensity? I mean, for self-interest's sakes... You know, I reckon they probably should skip the, the guineas and go straight to the All-Star Mile because they'll make Catalyst a shoe-in for that race. But I suppose on the flip side, if you get alligator blood in, in that race, you're going to maybe get a, a bit of a price for, for both those horses.
0: Well, I think they're both currently in the market at $3 for that. And I hope they both run in both because I think that really makes the autumn, yeah. those two, and having those real um, jewels that people can get excited about.
1: And Catalyst ran the fastest last 400 of the meeting as well. Mm. So, yeah, I just think the, the makeup of the Australian Guineas might make it would make it different for, for both because, because it was a match race. They controlled the tempo. It's going to be different for the Guineas. I reckon that might suit Catalyst a lot better. But, you know... What's, who's to say that alligator blood won't enjoy those type that type of race setup as well you know just sitting behind the leaders instead of leading
0: well neither of the uh, uh connections would have gone away from that meeting thinking that anything but that was positive catalyst and alligator blood um what we did learn about alligator blood though is that it, it has guts it has um a, a, you know a will to, to win because we haven't seen it eyeballed like that in any of its races and it, when it got eyeballed it lifted a cog and 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 hung on so that was great to see from its perspective the
1: guineas the one point the other point i want to make on the guineas is it's going to be a great race i just hope the the bookies don't spoil it by putting up you know really pathetic prices for the race because i think on some both horses are 280 Mm -hmm. i just want the bookies to give us some incentive to get involved in that race because you've got those two horses a lot of people will be in Chenier's corner Although I think the other two are a lot better than Chenia mm. you might get Super Seth there, you got the horse from w a Superstorm that was an impressive winner as well going to be in the race, maybe Alabama Express, so I just hope the bookies let us get on you know give us some incentive to you know have a bet in this race because it's going to be. A fantastic
0: race to watch. It sounds like you've uh, got some ranting in you today, mate. Just, but just about, <laughs> that might be the early um, high horse rant from the Big V. So one of the controversies of the race, I guess, and something that we've discussed multiple times on the podcast was, was around the whip rules and the whip use from James McDonald in particular, who was, I think, suspended as a result of the run. Whip the horse... Seven times, I think you're only allowed five before the 100. But a little bit more controversially, I think, whipped the horse 14 times in the last 100 metres, whereas the rider of uh, Alligator Blood only needed to pull out the stick once. So I guess the point is if if Catalyst had managed to get the head bob and had won that race and we'd seen the excessive whip use by um, James McDonald, would have we been comfortable with the result, Big V?
1: Yeah, I think that would have really diminished the race. You mentioned that he did get suspended, but I don't think it's a big enough deterrent because it's six meetings and I read in the report that a total of six meetings to commence midnight 22nd of February and to expire at the end of the day meeting 28th of February. So I think midnight on the 22nd... That would be... Saturday,
0: they're done Sunday to, to Friday there, haven't yeah, they? Or Saturday... Yeah. Sunday. So two, I won't miss a Saturday meeting. I won't miss a
1: Saturday. So that's, there's no deterrent in that. If you want to get serious about... Penalties make it two weeks, so you miss at least two Saturdays. Um, I don't think in the last hundred it matters so much how much you use the whip.
0: Uh, um, it unless doesn't. It's in
1: consecutive strides.
0: Yeah, but also I think it's also just from a look perspective yeah. as well. well.
1: I've had a since we last talked about the whips. I've had a a good think about the whip rule, and I think that we should uh, eliminate the whips for the last two hundred. When you think about it, why do we need? The whips to be used in the last 200 horses have by then reached their top speed i don't think using the whip in the last 200 is going to make them go any faster because they're already at their top speed i just think maybe maybe allow the jockeys to use the whip more more times before the 200 but then once you hit the 200 it's hands and heels
0: yeah it's a fair point actually because often a horse will need a little bit of encouragement just to get going uh, get into that stride. But, but not in the yeah. last
1: 200. You're already- yeah,
0: that's right. If you're not, you're not going at full ball by then, you're yeah. probably not winning anyway. So I don't mind that. Uh, I mean, Obviously, there'd be some grey area around the 200 and where that starts, et cetera. But I guess that's no different to now with the 100. So, Unless yeah, I don't mind just, that, yeah. Big V. Unless
1: you just, with the the rail, do you hear how you've got the, the red paint on the rail, I think, to indicate the last 100? Yep, you just Whether do a marker or something. Maybe you just, do, um, maybe you just put another colour and I mean, you've got to do it for all the tracks, so that's going to cost money. But well, yeah, even just a, as you said, a marker. Just put a you know, black line at the two hundred metre mark, and uh, that's that's your point where
0: you you put the whips away. Speaking of the rail, uh, did Nature Chip go to the right right one?
1: No, hindsight. And um, but surprisingly, in the race before, all the jockeys went to the outside rail. But then, in different case in the Lightning where. McAvoy decided to go to the inside and Guy Charles followed him across.
0: And uh, Loving Gabby followed Nature Strip as the favourite so it turned into a, a, two races and yeah, inside looked clearly to be the better but again, Nature Strip not getting the job done for punters there I think it started at $1.45 and gee, that it's a, it's, a t- it's a hard watch, Nature Strip um, a lot of confident people uh, leading up to the race and we can all be hindsight heroes but gee, it didn't look like a good bet.
1: Well, I th- no it wasn't a good bet, but I'm not going to get involved in dollar 50 favorites. I think, though, that he was still justified in being a dollar 50 because he did win the spring classic down the straight. He's got an excellent straight record. He won the, I think, the Moya at the valley. So on that form, he had to be the favorite. I mean, loving Gabby um, is a good horse. Um, I thought she would be the danger. But I couldn't I couldn't have um Geetra winning. Even Red Zell I think is he's, he's past his best, but he's still a very competitive um, still competing at a competitive level. I just everything just pointed to Nature Strip just winning this race easily.
0: Yeah, I I mean I, I do get it and if you'd asked me before the race I would have had Nature Strip on top, but I stumbled across an interesting fact in that Nature Strip has six times started $2.50 or yeah. better and not won the race. So you've got to be a courageous punter to get on it at $2.50 yeah. or better because it, it does throw in bad ones yeah. quite regularly. I think it's...
1: I know he's probably the midway point of his career, but I think it's getting to the stage now where he's a type of horse where you just can't have any confidence in, in backing him. And that's the reason why i didn't back him at the valley in the Moyer, although three dollar sixty was you know pretty good price in the end and i shouldn't be kicking myself that i didn't have a bet on him because i think it's with him it's probably safer to stay out now otherwise if you back something else to beat him if he happens to be on fire that day then so be it but he's a hard horse to, to trust.
0: yeah i've been a stay off since uh caulfield last year and i just uh, slip my memory which race it was but uh, it started about $1.80 that day as well and as soon as Eduardo eyeballed it at about the 300 it gave up and let a few others pass it so look I think there's a bit to learn about that as well in terms of I think a lot of people would have used Nature's Chip as part of a, a broader multi and I guess the lesson that I'd probably take out of that is just because uh, if a horse isn't valued to bet outright, it doesn't become better value putting it into a multi. So I think that's an important lesson for, um, for punters as well about some of these horses.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. And just a couple of other points out of the race that Loving Gabby did run the best last 800 and 600 of the meeting. I think she may have been, even though she was on the inferior part of the track, I did feel that she might have been maybe a little bit further back. Than ideal, I think she might have got a little bit of a, a check out of the barriers. And, yeah, just with Nature Strip, he ran the fastest 800 to 600, but he really weakened after that, but, you know, really just went down the cliff.
0: Yeah, there was a question also around whether whether it handles the wet tracks, but, I, look, I don't think that was a factor at all. Uh, I think it probably just went a bit too hard out, out of the gates. And, um, I don't
1: think I, he did go. I don't think he went that fast. I mean, even though he ran the last... The fastest eight hundred to six hundred split. The way he just capitulated after that, it was just a really his splits really did spiral down after that. But to the eye, it didn't really look like he was going that hard to warrant a really um, really weakening late.
0: Well, we'll keep a watching brief on Nature Strip, but yeah, plenty of discussion obviously coming out of that race when you've got a Group One horse at a dollar forty five not getting the job done. But uh, you wanted to talk about a couple of other horses um, across the day, Vega Days and Catalan.
1: So um, looking at race eight at Flemington, which Catalan was the favourite and started a $2.20 favourite. On the Wednesday, opened $3.90. That price was taken pretty quickly and it was $2.60. And I was looking at the field and it just gave me a flashback to Stakes Day last year when another Godolphin horse, same track, distance, uh, nick point, mm-hmm. had a wide barrier. Remember that one? Yeah. Just had no just never looked like winning. And I, I just saw this as a scenario where that the same might happen for you Had the wide barrier, might have, might get back and might just look like it was just going to give too much of a head start to be a factor. As it turned out, she's really missed a start badly. So because the punters the early punters Took the 390 and went into 260. I couldn't back this horse at that price, based on those factors. But I ended up getting lucky out of that because she's really blown the start. And if you look at, um, she's run the fastest 1200 to a thousand meter split just to catch up to the rest of the field, and she still run the fastest last two equal last 200 of the race. So she probably should have won the race. I just got a little bit lucky. Um, that you missed the start, but I think that's the the risk you're taking of the horse that's that's drawn wide, particularly at the 1400, because because they're right on the where the bend is, mm-hmm. you can be trapped wide, and if you and it's usually the 1400 is a lot more slowly run, so the tempo can be against you as well. So
0: sounds like you've got that one as a, a horse to follow. then. I
1: reckon it will be. Hopefully, you can draw a better gate as well. I mean, I obviously you don't. Expect horses to miss the start that badly so as i mentioned i think i got luck in the end because i think she was clearly the best horse in the race but i decided to not take that risk with her because of her price even though i
0: got it right by you know Fluka's chance and one you did take a risk on Vega days even though it was easing how did you assess that that race
1: well, I was surprised that um, it blew out from about three thirty to four sixty, and I was I was surprised for that. You know, a horse that was only finished a length behind Elise in the Expressway Stakes, and he's coming back to a benchmark eighty-eight. Elise's just won the Apollo. I, I I was expecting this horse to get crunched. It would be a two-dollar eighty chance, and in the end, we got four sixty. So that's fantastic. You know, I'm just trying to understand why you we know, have. Whether Anthony Cummings, because he, Libertini got rolled for the stable, you know, whether the punters got put off by that. But
0: well, Who'd they come for in that race? They,
1: there was solid support for Royal Celebration, which ran fourth. That was a good that run, a too. Good, wasn't that it? was a good run. Um, I'll be following that. And, but it was just a great ride by Jean Van Overmeer. I mean, even though Vega Days drew wide, it was always going to go forward. And it did that controlled the speed and yeah well usually when horses blow out in the market i i get really quite anxious because i think you know, it's what, never a good time. it never it never works out for me <laughs> but at the 200 it was just traveling and put the race away and easy win if you're going to run that race again it'll be you know 280.
0: Sounds like you got a good one there, Big V. And as I said earlier, it's always good to hear your success stories. And I always know they're your success stories because they pop up on your list there. Um, Just wanted to touch very quickly before we look forward on rapid racing. We briefly mentioned it in our last podcast. Just very quickly, success or not?
1: I think it was a a good concept. I don't think we need to have the, the teams. I just think half an hour races down the straight, I think that's interesting enough I think 4,000 went to the meeting so that's a pretty good crowd for a Sunday I wouldn't do it on a Sunday six days out before a group one meeting I think maybe a Wednesday or even a Friday might be a good spot to have it
0: yeah I agree it was a good trial but I must say um, my interests and my, my mind was not on the racing at four, between 4 and 7 on Sunday last Sunday yeah. so yeah
1: I mean I didn't watch much of it as well I had other things I had to do I think maybe when, if they install the lights there it might be good for, to have a night meeting there so you don't have to have Mooney Valley every Friday night. You can just throw in a Flemington Friday yeah. night meeting. I think 4 to 7, particularly on a Sunday.
0: Well, people doing other things, they're going, getting ready for work and a lot of other things at that time. So I, I, I suspect that the timing was more just as a trial and they'll they'll uh, fine-tune that if they are to do it again. So, yeah, I think it sounds like you're a question mark rather than a tick or a cross on no, that. No, I think
1: it's a, a definite tick okay. but with a few little tweaks <laughs> yep. just to... Just to enhance the day a bit, and I think the other discussion point is that we had a lot of racing that weekend. I think there was Thursday night, Friday night at the Valley, Saturday, Sunday at Flemington. I think that's not easy for the punter as well. So that's another factor to. to wait. Yeah,
0: sometimes less is more, and even, even having shorter cards yeah. rather than having you know nine, ten meeting um, cards. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking at six or seven perhaps is a way to overcome some of that, I think, if they are going to have that quantity of racing. But a race meeting that won't need any uh, enhancing will be the, the Blue Diamond meeting this week at Caulfield. Uh, we were pretty confident Hansiatic Hanseatic last week after we saw it get the job done. Are we, are we still pretty confident there?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think he's the one to beat, although 230 is a little bit tight in the market. I don't see him easing out, you know, Close to three, so you either take the 230, hopefully you get 250.
0: Can anything Um, beat
1: it? Oh, I think, yeah, I think there's a few horses that that can beat it. It depends on, you know, luck in running. If he he happens to find some bad luck, I mean, rulership is, um, you know, chance. What about the filly? Yeah, away, which one the...
0: Uh, like Lays. That's, or, uh, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. About <laughs> as good as your pronunciation of Moishu, I think. Uh, Let's Bergen. Oh, Let's It wasn't yeah. even close. No. Yeah, that, no,
1: that was a good win. And even the away game has to be um, a danger as well. I think they're the four main horses. But I think if all goes right for Hanseatic, he's just got a much better turn of foot. I think the the one thing that could stop him is if he draws Barrier 1 or Barrier 2 and he just gets trapped behind, you know, slow horses. That's the only thing I can see beating him.
0: Can you see anything beating Bivouac in the Oakley plate? We've got Anaheed at four dollars yeah, sixty I and think, bivouac two fifty currently.
1: Anaheed is a danger. As we mentioned before, you know, sometimes um, horses from spring to autumn really improve and we saw that with Anaheed first up. Bivouac's got to do that now. I think if you go by their spring form, Bivouac should win the Oakley plate. But at $2.50, I'm not going to find that out. I think that's a little bit tight now for Bivouac. If you get... You know, it should be at minimum $3.00. I mean, even maybe three fifty.
0: You might get that on the day. I think you're going to see some pretty aggressive betting in some of those races. So we've got the early prices, and I think you can probably wait and get some better prices on the day, both on Hanseatic yeah. and um, Bivouac I think, there. I
1: um, patience is, a, is the key now with, with punting. With, with the POC tax... Uh, the bookies are making it tough for you to get on early. You've got to wait till the last few minutes of a meeting. As I mentioned with Vega Days, you can still get a good price if you're willing to wait.
0: The other one of the big races that day is going to be the Futurity. Um, you've got Melody Bell, Super Seth, Colding and Alabama Express to separate. That'll be a tough one.
1: It will be. I don't think... Uh, Colding was was good without being great in the Expressway stakes. I think maybe he might need... Another run. Um, Super Seth is the one that I'm keen on at the moment. Um, Melody Bell is the one I want to watch for the All Star Mile. But she might not really be fully wound up for the first up. So yeah, this might I be expect so. this might be a case where Super Seth might might get the win this time. And Melody Bell's the one you take out for the All Star Mile, but I'll I got, wait. Yeah. I wait till barriers come out.
0: I got caught out last prep for Melody Bell, not thinking it was wound up, and it went out and won. So I might not get fall into that trap again.
1: No, yeah. No, well, I'll just um, like I might change my mind. I mean, am Melody Bell. If you go by her spring, her her win in the Empire Rose, and even her McKinnon run, I mean, that's really strong for this this race. I, I did hear that her trial was okay. Yeah, she didn't really...
0: Oh, hopefully she trialed as well as Nature Strip did because that worked out well. But (laughs) what I would say, though, Big V, we've been putting some of our tips um, on a Saturday morning on the Twitter, on the Twitter. How old does that make me sound? So it would be good if you could put up put up your tip on Saturday morning for that race, I think. You've sat on the fence there, so I want, we want to see you you post your flag. Um, so we'll do that Saturday morning, uh, along with our uh, our other best bets of the day on the at-should-have-backed-it Twitter handle. Uh, now, Big V, you were ranting earlier. You seems to have gotten a bit more comfortable now. You're a bit more happier with life now that we've talked about Vega days and everything. But we do want to hear your rant. By, back by popular demand... You told me earlier that you had about four or five things you could rant about today, so I'm interested to see what you go with. But I think
1: I've already touched on three or four of them. Yeah, so already. you just have
0: to pick the one you haven't ranted about yet, Big V. I'm sure there's a couple there on your list. But uh, yeah, I'll give you a minute and uh, the floor is yours, mate. Thank you,
1: Phil. And, and I'm all for stewards, questioning jockeys. I think we need to get more of it. But I was a bit surprised that the stewards decided to question Kieran McAvoy for his winning ride on Mount Tabora in the first race at Caulfield. And I think this is um, a bit of a problem that we're seeing in Victorian racing at the moment is that if it was up to me, we would, I would, we would do away with speed maps or positional maps. I mean, I, they're, they're vital for the punter and also vital for tactics. I get the feeling that The jockeys and the stewards are all working towards one speed map and we're just seeing really slowly run races and the stewards not pulling up the jockeys at all because they're just following what's on the map and you get a sydney you get a sydney jockey come down like kieran mcavoy he jumps out he he jumps well and he decides to to use some initiative and he wins the race but then he's questioned for his ride and if you look at the sectional times He wasn't really going that fast at all. From the standing start, 16 to the 14, he's gone 14.08. And then his splits from then on were 11.77, 11.80, 11.89. So that's very consistent. Then the last 600 was 11.69, 11.4, 11.36. They weren't very fast at all.
0: How slow do you want... You'd argue that's the perfect ride. Sorry to cut in on your rant. How
1: (laughs) slow do you want a jockey to go just because he wasn't positioned on your speed
0: map. Just to be clear, the horse won. The horse won. Yeah, okay, that's a strange one. Yeah. So um, was, I can see why you're ranting, Big V.
1: He was explained that he was, uh, when questioned, Kieran McEvoy explained that he was instructed to sit just off the speed. However, after beginning well, the gelding comfortably went forward and for this reason, settled in front. Mm. So that, that's why, look, I don't mind having people having speed maps and positional maps, but there shouldn't be a speed map that, everyone is looking at and following you should do your own speed map and how you think the race will will unfold and then and if something different happens so be it we want racing to be entertaining at the moment we're just seeing really slow and boring races and you now racing is in a a little bit of a, a battle and a struggle to to get people to the track Yeah, you know, and we we want to make the racing enjoyable because you go to the track for five hours you might only see 15 minutes of racing you want it to be you know enthralling. You, you, want you want it to want be out enthralling blood contest
0: versus uh catalyst no good good rant big v i think your your point's well made and backed up with uh, facts which is um something that you don't usually bring to the table big v so that's very good very, that's your third big V's rant. Actually, you've had about four today anyway, so it's about your seventh rant, but point well made and I'm um, looking forward to, to next week's rant. Now, we had some horses to follow. I think we've covered most of them, so Flit, obviously, ran really well. We have briefly mentioned Royal Celebration, which came home, rattled yeah, home nicely for fourth.
1: Just a point I'll, I'll make on Royal Celebration, because I mentioned that she was firm in the market mm. and I think that's a, a good sign or a good... Um, Bit of information to take next start because i don't think this race unfolded well for her because she drew wide next to vega days so i think she was kind of forced to go with him and you know settle on speed she was only you know, she was second up after a good first up performance so the fact that she was liked in the market i think is a good bit of knowledge to take
0: yeah, yeah you're big on that. You've yeah. you've mentioned that to me quite often yeah. that you look at the S P from the, the the previous races yeah. and making some of your decisions around punting. So yep, so Flit Royal Celebration look like they're definitely ones to follow. Obviously we talked about Happy Clapper and very very elegant hitting the line very well. Are they your Oh I guess yeah, they'll be my horses to follow. How about that? I mean that's not a hard thing. They're you know, group one winners. Olay Kirk, how about that race? Uh, in the two year old race, thirty one dollars. It Was Sprook because of its connection to black caviar, but uh, first win, first race run down the Flemington straight and one that's not a bad performance,
1: yes. And actually, I could have made this a rant as well because I, I looked at the form guide and um, yeah, surprise, surprise, no public trial form in the paper, yeah. First, you know, the debutante, and I know you can find the, the jump outs online, but. It's not easy. You've got to know whether they jumped out of Flemington, Caulfield, Cranbourne, wherever. Which jump out. Which jump out. What colours, all that and, stuff, yep. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not so easy to find for the, you know, the casual punter. It is for the... Oh, mate, I, I cool struggle timers. to find yeah.
0: when uh, my dad's horses are, are jumping out, I struggle to find them. So if you don't know the horse that well, it's it's almost impossible. Yeah.
1: you got you got to find the venue and then you've got to know which trial out of 20 something to to look
0: at well interestingly it's now um well it and a million others are nominated for the blue diamond but uh i, I wouldn't expect it to get a run there but you know can next start it will be a lot shorter than that and you'll probably uh be not a bad bet as well yes and um but uh, to look at it on the positive side uh, i think that was a good win by
1: ollie kirk looks like a very promising horse and um, I think the, the straight races were a little bit slower in times compared to the, the circuit races. I think that had a lot to do with the, the rapid racing from six days earlier, maybe
0: having an impact on the track. Yeah, and they, um, in the rapid racing, they had the rail out, I think, yeah. almost 12 metres, oh, yeah. so, then, so they didn't that use inside. that inside, but they used that outside, which yeah. could have been a factor. And, um,
1: so Which was surprising why we didn't see more horses going to the inside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a few jockeys will be uh, regretting their decisions, particularly in the uh, Lightning. Uh, so the next bit we've got to talk about is uh, Runs from the Bush. And, uh, I mean, as you suggested, I was out at Bendigo on Saturday enjoying um, a couple of beers after a success there. And the main horse I've got from Runs from the Bush is Minhaj, uh which was a 1,000-meter maiden winner at Bendigo um, on Saturday, one by five lengths. One in the canter. It's also nominated for the Blue Diamond, but who isn't? Uh, but definitely one, a two-year-old worth following if you do happen to back two-year-olds. As, as podcast listeners will know, I'm not one of them. But, yeah, Minhaj is my run from the bush this week. Well, that's all we've got time for, for this week's episode of Shoulda Backed It podcast. That was Season 2, Episode 2. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be keeping Twitter ablaze with some of our bets on Saturday, including uh, Big V's bet in the Futurity, which he's promised us. So uh, keep an eye on that. And in the meantime, good luck on the punt.